Hello and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode 25. I am Adam, coming to you from Austin, Texas, and today we enter the war zones of urban dystopias, where chaos, bloodthirsty gangs of lawless, rapists, psychopaths get dispatched by nomadic anti-heroes that take no shit. Where honorable vigilante archetypes right the wrongs in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Stories like Fist of the North Star, Zadoichi, and the films of Mad Max spring to mind. Today we'll be looking at two films. The first being... 2011's Hobo with a Shotgun, directed by Jason Eisner and starring the legendary Rutger Hauer. The second will be Violence Jack, an anime, an OVA that was stretched over the years of 1986, 1988, and 1990 respectively. A long time ago, I was one of you. They're all brand new and perfect. No mistakes, no regrets. People look at you and think of how wonderful your future will be. They want you to be something special, like a a doctor or a lawyer. I hate to tell you this, but if you grow up here, you're more likely to wind up selling your bodies on the streets. They're shooting dope from dirty needles in an bus stop and if you're successful you'll make money selling junk to crackheads and you won't think twice about killing someone's wife because you won't even know what was wrong in the first place um maybe you ain't not like me with a shotgun. I hope you can do better. Hobo with a Shotgun, 2011. Directed by Jason Eisner. Rutger Hauer, the titular hobo, arrives in the town of Hopetown, also known throughout the movie as Scum Town or even Fuck Town. He arrives in town in a boxcar and Hope Town is a complete shithole of all the places that the hobo could have went. He went to this town, which is... <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, it's the first, like at the first sign of trouble, 
I think a logical person would have just left. <laughs> especially if you're, especially if you're homeless and you don't really have any uh, attachment to any one place, you could just go somewhere else. <laughs> but he stays there. It's not like he's addicted to crack or has like a drinking problem or something. Because you'd probably want to be in a town where it's just crime ridden and disgusting. But not the Rutger Hauer hobo character. But yeah, Hope Town is a total shithole. It's essentially the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Or giant swaths of area in general. So he gets into Hope Town, and while passing through this slummy parking lot, the hobo encounters two two bums who are fighting. And the fight is being videotaped by some guy who's paying the bums to fight. And this is a callback to the video series Bum Fights. If you remember <laughs> Bum Fights. And, I mean, at that point, because I know Bum Fights was like early 2000s, and I think it ran until 2006. It was basically this video series that a group of teenagers, it was like a, a mixtape of like teenagers, like teenage high school students, like fighting after school. <laughs> and this little group of homeless guys who they would get shit faced and then have them perform jackass like stunts and, uh, and actually uh, fight each other. <laughs> so, it's rather depressing, actually. The early two thousands was sort of a sort of a nightmare, really, because the possibilities of things that you could put out, not only on the internet, but there was this, there was sort of this overlap. There was this overlap in media where the internet existed, and you could watch disturbing stuff on the internet, but you could also purchase videos and DVDs of this stuff. So you had your, you had your uh, girls gone wild. You had your cops too hot for TV and you had bum fights. I don't think bum fights was ever advertised anywhere. <laughs> I don't think you would. Uh, yeah. I don't think you would see that in between. Um, episodes like commercial breaks during Frasier or Monday Night Raw or anything like that. But so the hobo's walking through the parking lot and there's two homeless guys being videotaped and they're being paid to fight each other. And you know what? I want to go back to the mixtape thing. <laughs> because I just it's just rushing through my mind like all the different bum fight copycats that exist. Um, after bum fights, there was, let me see, there was felony fights. There was, which is kind of a similar thing, except they just, 
instead of homeless guys, they got random dudes to just fight each other, like in a field in the middle of nowhere. There was, I think there was one called Brawlin' Broads. I don't know if I'm remembering this correctly. It's like, I think it was called Brawlin' Broads with like a Confederate flag on the cover. And it's just white trash women punching the shit out of each other. It's basically felony fights, but it's it's women. What else was there? There was like, there was some like gang type ones. Like, I want to say there was one called like gang beef or something like that. But it was basically just following around gangbangers, you know, throwing up gang signs, hand gang signs, and showing their respective colors and <laughs> like doing doing brake stands at red lights and like flashing guns and stuff like that. It was basically this very low brow, incredibly gritty documentary type stuff. And then you would have stuff in there like fights and people doing drugs and stuff. That was a weird time. And that was years after Hobo with a Shotgun. So assuming Hobo with a Shotgun was shot in like 2010, like Bum Fights was over by 2006. So, uh, yeah. And and then the copycats were already started. There was, there was an overlap of like once the original Bum Fights came, like imitators flooded the market with just the worst parts of humanity. <laughs> but uh, the, the, uh, there's been refinements since then, I think. I think uh, Vice, some of their uh, quote-unquote investigative journalist things uh, have been pretty good. Things like the documentary on Gathering of the Juggalos, uh, the all gas, no breaks guy who's now channel five news with Andrew Callahan. Like it's basically taking the exploitation and violence out of the footage and just showing the people for who they are. And it's not so much there provoking these people to be extreme on camera. It's just, they just show up with a camera and ask them a question and let the person talk. And then that's, that's your, uh, and that's your, that's your content. And then the stuff that comes out of people's mouths is hilarious and weird and ridiculous. It's, I think in the, in the era of, Girls Gone Wild and Bum Fights and all the jackass imitators, there there has been some advancements. So, look out for that. <laughs> but, <clears throat> so, Rucker Hauer, the hobo, I think I'm just going to call him Rucker Hauer from now on. So, whenever, I ref- whenever I'm referring to the hobo, the homeless guy in the movie... I'm I'm just going to say Rutger Hauer, okay? 
So the Rucker Howard's going through this parking lot, and the guy who's filming the two bums fighting is like, hey, man, you want to make $10? He's like, you want to get in on this? And it's like two guys profusively bleeding from the face and mouth. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want, you want to get your face punched in for $10? And Rucker Howard just doesn't even acknowledge the guy, which... In itself, if you've lived anywhere where there's a large amount of homeless people and you encounter homeless people all the time who are always, like, hitting you up for money, like, begging for change, things like that, after a while you become numb to it and you just ignore those people. And the seeing the inverse of that, of, the, of when you're walking down the street and a homeless person wants money from you or he wants to eat your leftovers from your takeout food or whatever, like, and you just ignore them and you're ignoring one after the other every day to see the inverse of that, of some exploitative dickhead with a video camera wanting to basically make the guy do tricks that are worthy of world star hip hop for $10 and possibly you know, end up with severe, uh, severe damage to his, uh, to his person. It's, and then Rucker Howard just ignores the guy. He politely just ignores the guy. And the guy's like, fuck you, man. You'll never make money without me and all this thing. So, so already, uh, hope town is looking pretty hopeless. <laughs> and we get introduced to the, local crime boss, the drug kingpin of this town. And uh, he is called the Drake. And he has two sons, Spike and Ivan. Together, they they rule over Hopetown with, I mean, an ISIS level of fear. For anyone who's seen any ISIS propaganda videos. It's the absolute pinnacle of horrifying brutality. Uh, think of think of the Drake and his son Spike and Ivan as Saddam Hussein and his sons Uday and Kuse Hussein. That's imagine a white version of that. That's who the Drake and his two sons are. They're they're like they're basically like Saddam Hussein and his sons. The uh and if you don't know any if you don't know much about Saddam Hussein and his his sons, uh let's see. I know I know Count Dankula on YouTube has a a series called Absolute Mad Lads, and he does an episode on Uday Hussein. And it's the craziest. Uh, he's a, he's one of the cr- most craziest, disgusting villains ever. And he actually was real. He existed in real life. It's pretty scary. Uh, what else? There was a movie called The Devil's Double. And it was... Uh, if I'm remembering it correctly, a 
based on a true story where Uday Hussein and I know Saddam Hussein and other uh, dictators, <laughs> despots, or they tend to have body doubles, people who go around in public who uh, are basically their body doubles for them because people want to assassinate them and people want to kidnap them and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a way of spreading uh, confusion of like where the precise location of these people are. And it's also an intelligence gathering technique of sorts where if you suspect that somebody, let's say some outside, I don't know, terror group, militia, other world government, um, or maybe someone in your own, your own group, maybe conspiring against you. You can, you could basically send your body double to a location that you think might be, uh, dangerous for you to go to. And if the, something bad happens to the body double, like they get shot, they get kidnapped, they get poisoned or something, then you can kind of use that information to deduce who had the, who could have possibly have done that and, and whatnot. But could you imagine that having to have a body double just to exist because people want to murder you constantly? You'd have to be insane too. <laughs> I need a body double. People are trying to kill me all the time. I need I need to throw people off my scent. Find me someone who looks like me. And the devil's doubled. That's exactly what happens. Uday Hussein has uh, he abducts this guy who, at least in body type and somewhat in the face, looks like him. And he basically tells the guy, "You are going to be my body double." You're going to get plastic surgery so that you look exactly like me and you're going to dedicate yourself to learning my mannerisms, my pattern of speech, how I walk, how I talk, how I smoke a cigarette. Like, And if you don't do it right, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so this poor guy goes through all of that because he doesn't want to be horribly murdered. And it probably wouldn't be something as merciful as a bullet to the back of the head. It would probably be something like a slow, horrible torture, probably in public in front of a bunch of people. So this guy gets the plastic surgery and uh, learns how to become Uday Hussein. And it's one of the, yeah, it's, that's basically who the bad guys in this movie are. <laughs> Saddam Hussein and their sons. So, they're basically what I'm saying is they're pretty they're pretty bad guys, okay. So, so uh, Rucker Hauer and all the townspeople, uh, well, not all the townspeople, but there's a lot of people in this neighborhood. Um, the Drake and his son show up, and they, at gunpoint, make everyone who's present in this like neighborhood. To witness the Drake's brother named Logan, who's played by Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. If you're a fan of Trailer Park Boys, it's the Ricky character. Plays the character of Logan. And uh, Trailer Park Boys, that's Canadian, right? And this film was shot in Canada. So there's a little Canadian connection there for all my 
fans in Canada. Shout out to all my fans in Canada. So basically what happens is Logan comes screaming, running around the corner, and it startles everyone on the street, and and Rucker Howard's pushing his grocery cart full of cans, and this man who looks beaten with with a manhole cover like around his neck like a collar comes running around the corner screaming for help and that's when the drake and his sons show up and they're establishing that the the drakes are have no problem murdering somebody in a fantastical what they would consider entertainment form in front of people and that would obviously spread fear to the community and just know not to fuck with these guys and also he's killing his own brother so he has no problem murdering his 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 own which is a characteristic that uh, the the Drake has and will play out later on in the movie. So Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys, he they made this manhole this custom manhole cover collar, and what they do is they'll take the manhole cover off of like a, a a manhole and then they will drop you into the manhole. So if you can picture this, imagine a you know a, a round metal man manhole cover and your head is stuck in the middle of it. So you're inside this hole, your feet are dangling, I guess, and you're just being held there by your neck and your head is just above ground. The Drake puts a barbed wire noose around his neck and connects this noose to a truck that his son Spike is driving and then starts driving backwards. And then Logan's head just pops off. And like Shogun Assassin just sprang blood out of the neck hole. And <laughs> this is actually in the trailer too. Um, the Drake has like a, a harem of women who just like worship him, like a harem of hot chicks who the, she's wearing like a white mink coat and like a bikini. And she walks over to this geyser of blood and just starts like seductively dancing and rubbing the blood on herself. It's, it's very funny. Um <laughs> But the, their decapitation method is like it looks brutal and terrifying, and but like uh, upon upon reflection, while I'm in while I'm in traffic, I sit and think about these things. So they're deca- let's go through the the decapitation method, right? Okay, custom manhole cover that's worn around the victim's neck like a collar. Then you drop the victim into the manhole. So now they're stuck in 
the manhole and they're attached, they're attached by the neck and their head is basically above ground on street level. Right. And then they fashion a noose out of a barbed, out of barbed wire and affix it around the victim's neck. And then the noose is pulled taut with a speeding truck, thus popping the victim's head off. And visually, it's fantastic. I don't think the physics makes sense. The noose would probably, like the force of the truck pulling on his neck, probably would, like it seems like his body would have popped out of the manhole cover and then he would just be dragged to death. I don't know. I'm not, I didn't I didn't study uh, physics in continuation school in Manteca, California. So that's just what it seems like to me. You know, tomato potato. Um, so Rutger Hauer, Rutger Howard, they do take moments in the movie to have moments of uh, of sort of human moments, sort of these like sincere, sweet moments where. The the Rucker Howard's dream is to panhandle forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents to buy a used lawnmower from a pawn shop, and with that lawnmower he can start his own landscaping business, which is a noble pursuit. He wants to get out of his situation and you know he and. Mow lawns and in the like next to the lawnmower display at the in the pawn shop window, there's like a TV which is like black and white footage of like a 50s suburban dad mowing a lawn. So it's sort of him getting out of being homeless to mow lawns is sort of him like uh, reminiscing on past better times later that night. We go to a nightclub. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's kind of a nightclub of sorts. It's owned by uh, Drake, and the place is named simply Drake, with like a picture of his face on the outside of it. <laughs> it's kind of like Biff Tannen's uh, casino in Back to the Future Part Two. It's a cross between an arcade and a carnival. It, it, it's it's like if Circus Circus in Las Vegas was had the budget of like uh, a tweaker carnival in a rural town. It's equipped with bumper cars used to smash homeless guys' heads like a cantaloupe. We're shown this uh, this scene of two bumper cars. Like going like straight at each other, and then and someone's like holding a homeless guy in between the two of them, and they hit his head, and it explodes. And the guy they hit kind of looks like Donald Pleasance. I thought that was, I don't know if that was a, a conscious decision by the uh, director, but I thought that would that looked kind of interesting. The homeless guy looked like Donald Pleasance, and if you don't know who Donald Pleasance is, he was the original Dr. Sam Loomis in the Halloween franchise, the original 
Halloween franchise. He was also the, uh, he played the president in Escape from New York, the John Carpenter film, and he was also in the John Carpenter film Prince of Darkness. So, another screen legend, Donald Pleasance. Also at this psychotic arcade carnival, this fucking Dave and Busters for serial killers. Uh, they also have a... Um, a high striker that Ivan uses to smash the feet of uh, people he doesn't like, as, assuming they're just homeless people, I guess, or people who own money or whatever. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like the term high striker is any like common vernacular because who the fuck knows anything about carnival, old timing carnival games? But a high, a high striker is like an old timing carnival game. It's like a test of strength game where you use a large mallet to strike this lever that sends a puck up a, a tower and it hits a bell. So you've probably seen it in like old cartoons or I know they have like a version of one in like Beetlejuice, you know, you take the big hammer, you hit the thing and then a little thing goes up a little tower and it goes ding and it hits a bell. So yeah, they had one of those in there and <laughs> I just think it's funny because Ivan is supposed to be like the dumber of the two sons and Spike is supposed to be the more intelligent, uh, psychotic brother. He's he's more of the Uday Hussein um, brother. But I, I just that was hilarious. Ivan's just using this thing to put people's feet on the lever and just smash their feet. <laughs> Uh, it's it's so it's so strange. This movie has all kinds of just absurd stuff like that. That really, I think it plays pretty well. It's this this movie is balanced incredibly well. It's it's not too serious. It doesn't feel real. Like all the colors in the movie are very bright, and the saturation's all insane. And um, and there are genuine moments where you feel like you're learning about the characters and you're investing some type of emotion or rather, you know, if it's the hobo, like you sympathize with him, you really hate the bad guys. They're horrible. And you want them to, you want that hobo to get his revenge against these evil guys. So, I mean, if you enjoy Ricky, O, the story of Ricky, if you enjoy death, Wish three, Death Wish, Death Wish 3 specifically, because that's kind of, the it's the Empire Strikes Back of the Death Wish films. Um, class of Nukem High. I mean, there's probably a bunch of trauma films that kind of feel like this movie a little bit. Or even, um, or even like uh, Akira... <laughs> Um, there's also a lovely, uh, high striker death in the film Hellfest. I'll just throw that in there because I recently, I've been wanting to watch Hellfest forever and I finally saw it and it's not bad for like, it's, it's like the equivalent of a kind of throwaway eighties 
slasher film, you know, like ones that aren't amazing, but they're, they're a rep. They, they represent the genre really well where you will watch it from time to time. Like, um, what's a good example? Like the dorm that drip blood, um, final exam, like movies like that, movies that aren't at the, like the tip of the 80s slasher spear, but they're a couple of levels down, but they have enough charm where you you actually want to rewatch it at some point, especially during like Halloween time. Um, I feel like Hellfest is kind of like that. Like it's not amazing, but I like the concept of it. The concept of it's great. But there is a high striker scene where uh, the final girl's love interest, her sort of date for the night, gets his uh, head smashed apart. He got his head bashed apart on a high striker. And uh, the movie itself is not bad. But, yeah, Hellfest, it's an interesting concept. It's like, you know, if you've ever been to, if you're in California, there's Knott's Berry Farm. And during Halloween, they have a Knott's Scary Farms, which is, it's like everything's spooky. And they have actors and costumes that jump out and scare you. And if you've ever been to those types of haunted houses, they have one here in Austin called uh, House of Torment. And it's that sort of thing. You go through this like modern day, like carnival, like movie, like haunted house. And there's a lot of smoke and lasers and people dressed up like zombies and guys with chainsaws that jump out from behind bushes and scare the shit out of you. And so they made a horror movie inside of one of those sort of traveling haunted house kind of things and it's a really good idea it's you know the closest thing to that i can think of off the top of my head it would probably be like uh toby hooper's fun house you know it's like a car like a carnival type setting is like such a good is such a good place for uh for like a slasher film so basically this group of people go to this um this like haunted house. And the thing is huge. It's not like one building where there's, you walk through the haunted house and whatever. It's like, it's almost like, it's like fucking Disneyland. The thing is, it's huge. It's like acres and acres of this like universal studios sized Halloween exhibit thing. I don't know how old Hellfest is. It's only a few years old. Um, they should reboot that. <laughs> like that could be a really good franchise, actually. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so at the um, at the Drake's Club of Club Arcade of Madness, uh, the Drake's son Spike goes to shake some kid down who owes him money. Okay. And and by kid, I mean the guy's 30. So that was weird. But it was... I wonder if it... Because... <laughs> in, like, in this world, it's like it would... Like, it would... Maybe they thought it would be too brutal if they cast somebody who looks like an actual teenager. 
Or maybe they wanted to go the route of, oh, well, a lot of these horror movies, they get people in their 20s or 30s to play high school students. And that's sort of a a thing, especially to the 80s and 90s. Like, let's just get this 29-year-old guy to play a 16-year-old. And you're just supposed to just believe it. <laughs> so Spike goes to shake this dude down. It's like a meta world building moment. The kid is playing this arcade game called the plague, which isn't a real arcade game, but he's playing this game called the plague and the, and the plague are these two guys who are actually in the, in this movie in hobo with the shotgun. There are two characters and they're called the plague and Kids playing this game, and the plague are these two. They look like you know what they look like. They look like the North Hollywood bank robber guys who had like a shootout with the LAPD in like 1997. I don't know if you remember that, but they these two guys rob this bank in North Hollywood, and they're completely covered in body armor from head to toe, and there they have the LAPD severely outgunned like they have full auto fuck <laughs> like they are covered in armor and ammo <laughs> and they're just taking out half of the fucking LA police department these two guys and, and they're standing just in the middle of the road, fucking, and just bullets are bouncing off of them. It's, yeah, oh, God, it was a whole thing. Anyways, that's what the plague looks like. <laughs> they look like the North Hollywood shooters. Um, they kind of look like that mixed with a little bit of, um, if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen the movie Mandy with Nicolas Cage, which I recommend, Mandy is a fantastic film from uh, director Panos Cosmatos, who also directed Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I also highly recommend. But there's these demonic biker characters in Mandy, and they're called the Black Skulls. And, yeah, they have this, like, they they look like Hellraiser, Cenobites. Like, they have this weird bondage thing but they also kind of look like a black metal band it's weird so the plague kind of looks like the North Hollywood shooters mixed with like the black skulls from Mandy you know so they they look crazy but they but they look like a 1966 Batman TV show version of that like they look kind of cartoonish and I think that helps with the movie also the Drake and his sons are very cartoonish they're very they they dress all in like black and white and they're very over the top they're always maniacally laughing <laughs> which i love i enjoy that very much i i like when bad guys in movies just <laughs> rub their hands together and laugh into the night i i find that fun it makes it makes the bad guys fun. I, there's nothing worse than a boring bad guy in a movie. You want a guy who's 
a total crazy goofball. That's that's way more fun. And so anyways, I just wanted to point out that if if you've seen Hobo with a shotgun and maybe you didn't notice it first time around, but you want to go back and watch it again, the characters of the plague are in the movie in the form of a video game. <laughs> so from the crowd were um so okay. So now a crowd's forming, right? Like Spike is going up to this kid. He's like, yo, where's my fucking money? You owe me money, asshole. And he's like, don't make me burn your face with my fucking Zippo lighter and all this shit. And now a crowd's starting to form. And from the crowd, we're introduced to Abby. Abby is a hooker. She's the hooker with the heart of gold. That's her character. Like she's a prostitute in this terrible town who's just doing what she needs to do to survive. But she also has a moral compass. She's not like these other horrible people somehow. She's somehow above them, which is not entirely realistic, but for for the sake of the film, it, it makes sense. It works. So she steps up from the crowd and tells Spike, hey, why don't you leave the kid alone? Okay? Whatever he did, why don't you just let it slide? To which Spike responds with this. Listen. Come on, man. He's a kid. <laughs> Let it slide. What did you say to me? You heard me. Let it slide. Shh, shh, shh. The only thing I'm going to let slide is my dick in your pussy. Hear that? You ever hear that sometimes? The sound? Listen. Sounds like I'm in a... Instead of a fucking pirate ship. You hear that? That's the sound of my chair. In case you're ever wondering what that sound is. Yeah, that's the sound of my uh, my chair. <laughs> and I've considered getting a different chair. But I like this chair. And I, I understand that it, it makes noise. So I'm going to keep it. So, Spike and Ivan are pretty bad guys. And after... Abby steps up to Spike and Spike steps up to her. Ivan ends up breaking the kid's arm on the joystick of the arcade game, which was pretty inventive. There's all sorts of things like that in the movie. Just sort of the weapons used oddly (laughs) or just inanimate objects that are utilized to, uh, commit pain. (laughs) But after this, Abby gets dragged into a back room by Spike. And it's pretty clear he's has full intention of sexually assaulting her and probably just killing her just for fun or pimping her out. Who fucking knows? Who knows with this guy? It's like one of those families that just have, they have their, 
fingers and all all sorts of criminality. <laughs> so, but who comes to her rescue? Rutger Hauer, who snuck into the club, is like, yo, hey, you, get your goddamn hands off of her. He does a he does a Crispin Glover impression, and then he <laughs> here you go another example of a really great weapon. So he has like a walking cane, and he fucking bitch slaps Spike with the fucking walking cane, and in his pocket he carries all the change that he panhandles for inside of like a long tube sock. So he winds this thing up and fucking smashes. Spike in the head knocks him out. Brutal. And ends up saving Abby's life. And after this, <laughs> after this, Rucker Hauer carries Spike's body to the police station and this whole scene sets up that the police are in the pockets of the Drake and his sons. He gets taken into like a interrogation room and I guess the chief of police comes in and is like, Oh, so tell me what happened. Rooker Howard's like, you need to throw this asshole in jail and you need to throw all the scum in these streets and into a fucking landfill and yada, yada, yada. And then, Spike and Ivan appear and with, with the help of the chief of police, they hold down Rucker Hauer and Spike carves the word scum into Rucker Hauer's chest with a knife. And they, and they, they end up throwing him in the fucking garbage outside of the, uh, outside of the police station. So they don't kill him. So, Abby, uh, the Rucker Howard ends up running into Abby, who is in, she's working. She's on the streets working. She's doing her prostituting. And actually, real quick, there's, there's this cop in town who's a total pervert, and he, he's like, Negotiates like in the cop car, like negotiating um, what type of he's negotiating the price over whatever the hell he wants to do to Abby. And the fucking guy is just hilarious. I don't know who that guy is, but if you've seen this movie or if you're going to see this movie, and I do recommend that you watch this. Look out for the scene where Abby's prostituting and she's like haggling with a with the uh, cop over uh, <laughs> what, what kind of sexual uh, shit they're gonna do together. But the guy's such a fucking disgusting creep that it's really funny somehow. And anyway, she's in the middle of this uh, this negotiation, like standing outside the guy's car, and then all of a sudden, like Rucker Howard just stumbles past them. And she's like, she's like, what the fuck, dude? And he like collapses on the ground and she sees that his fucking chest is all carved up. It's a scum carved in his chest. And 
she has this moment of humanity where she's like, oh, my God. And Rucker, I was like, like, help me, please. And she's like, holy shit. Like, you're the guy who saves me from being fucking violated and murdered by, like, the Drake's son. Like, okay. So she picks him up, takes him to her apartment. And they have this really sweet scene where they kind of build the relationship between the two of them where, and it's nothing sexual. It's never sexual. It's like this, like she's helping an old man. She's helping this. She, she, she brings him in. She cleans up his wounds. She gives him this sweater to wear so she doesn't get blood all over her bed and it's like got a bear on it <laughs> this touching little scene with she gives him a sweater with a bear on it <laughs> for him to sleep in and she's like you can sleep in my bed and he's like oh my god i haven't slept in a bed i can't remember last time i ever slept in a bed and she like tucks him in and they have this little talk and he goes to sleep and it's kind of this they they build that relationship between the two of them she doesn't like this world that she's in. She hates it. And Rugger Hauer is not thinking too fondly of it either at this point. But the two of them bond over their mutual misery. And it's a good scene. It's a good scene. It's in this ridiculous, chaotic, fucking violent, over-the-top world that is taking place. They have they, The movie slows down to have these these relationships with the characters where you actually by the time shit picks back up and starts getting crazy again you you're invested in them now it's pretty neat remember the remember the camcorder bum fights guy the guy who tried to lure him in with $10 in the beginning of the movie okay so he decides okay I need money. And well, actually him and Abby decide like maybe we should just get the fuck out of here and mow lawns together somewhere far away where we can just have a modest existence and and she's like on board. She's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I don't want to have to fuck for money for the rest of my life. Like I'd rather do something normal." And try to find happiness in it, then just end up like uh, how a prostitute would in 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 Hope Town, probably murdered and thrown in a fucking dumpster. <laughs> so, so that's sort of like starry eyed, like hopefulness that she has, like the like the hobo's dream. She sort of like latches onto. It's like you know what that that's actually. That's a great idea. <laughs> and the next day, uh, Rucker Hauer did, uh, approaches the bump fights guy and is like, all right, like, what do you want me to do? I want, I need money. What kind of degrading shits do I need to do to get some fucking money? And let's see, there's, he makes him smash a bottle on his head. Oh yeah. He's, <laughs> makes Rucker have her smash a bottle on his head and then uh, kneel down towards, uh, kneel down and where all the broken glasses 
pick up the glass and start chewing the glass and then opening his mouth so he could just he could see the blood. It's fucking terrible. It's really fucking awful. And he ends up getting the money <laughs> that he needs to go to the pawn shop and get the lawnmower that he needs to start his new life. So he gets to the pawn shop and right when he gets there, these, <laughs> these, these like masked robbers come in and want to rob the fucking pawn shop. Of course. And one of them is actually for all you, for all you horror fans out there, you notice, uh, you notice this. One of the robbers is wearing one of the, wearing the green witch mask from Halloween 3 season of the witch. And of course Halloween season of the witch there is a company called Silver Shamrock and they make Halloween masks for children and one of them is a green witch and there's a jack-o-lantern and there's a, a skull. So it was it was cool to kind of see that kind of easter egg thing in the movie. That was fun. So these guys are robbing the store and they grab a hostage and they tell the guy behind the counter, like, empty the register, give us all the money. And then they grab a hostage at, uh, I don't even think it was a knife. I think it was so a sword <laughs> at sword point. She had a, a, one of the guys had a sword against a woman's neck and is like, give us all the money or this woman's going to die. And everyone in the pawn shop's completely freaked out. And, and Rucker Howard sit, uh, sitting there and, Right as things begin to escalate, he um, actually <laughs> I forgot about this. Okay, so they're they're holding this woman hostage. The woman is a mother who has a baby. I don't know why a, a mom with a baby in a stroller is at a fucking pawn shop, but maybe she's pawning the baby. I don't know. This is a fucked up town. Maybe she's like, how much can I get for this baby? I don't know. But they have the woman. They're holding the woman hostage and demanding all the money out of the register. And one of the guys has a gun and he like points it at the baby. And it's a real baby. Like points his gun at the baby. Says, give me the money. I'm going to fucking kill this baby. And you can tell the way they shot it. They didn't really stick a gun in the baby's face. But it's just funny. <laughs> it's funny anyways. And right, right as things are... Right as uh, right as things are getting really dire and crazy, the hobo like glances over to the wall, and there's like a row of shotguns, and the shotguns are also forty nine ninety nine, and he grabs a shotgun off the wall, which is loaded for some reason. I don't know why there would be a loaded shotgun on the wall of a pawn shop that anyone can just reach over and grab. It wasn't in a case or something like that. But you look, you totally look past that. It's inconsequential in the logic of the scene. And then Rucker Howard just murders all the fucking robbers. Just <laughs> it's like after he kills these guys, he realizes that his mission in life, his dream, his dream has changed. Now he, now he must be this vigilante who, who brings justice to criminals in this town. And before he leaves, he puts the money on the counter. He's just like, I'm taking this fucking shotgun. Here's the money for it. And then he walks out and just the look, 
the guy who they cast to be the behind the counter guy at the pawn shop is great. Just a look on his face. He's just looking at the store and it's got three fucking exploded criminals on the ground. And he's just like, Oh my God, what a fucking mess. It's great. And so then we have like a montage of Rucker Howard going around and just murdering criminals. <laughs> it's kind of like death wish in that way where, uh, at some point, Charles Bronson, once he decides he, he can take no more, he, he, he gets a gun and goes into the night and finds people committing crime and then fucking kills them, which is extreme for things like shoplifting or, so he's, he begins, so we have this montage of like newspaper headlines of like, like hobo with a shotgun vigilante killing criminals and stopping crime on the streets. And you see the like newspaper headlines of that. And then you see that with there's a, he kills this, this pimp who's beaten up this white hoe and he fucking kills that guy. He kills, uh, (laughs) and this was interesting. It was a, a, pedophile Santa Claus sitting in a car across the street from like a school or like a playground. And it's like kids playing and he's sitting there like, Oh, you've been really naughty. And (laughs) he's like beaten off in a car and, (laughs) and then he just murders the Santa Claus. So it's just one of those montages where now you're really, now you're really behind Rucker Howard. You're like, all right, Pedophiles are bad, and for the people out there who don't believe that the justice system does quite enough to punish, uh, you know, sex offenders who abuse children, you know, you'll, you'll like Rucker Hauer's uh, brand of justice. He just blows the dude's head apart with a fucking shotgun. Also, that's in the... Oh, how did I not mention this before? So, that was actually in the original the original original trailer to the movie and the original trailer was if you remember the Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez double feature the Grindhouse double feature which was Death Proof and Planet Terror if you remember that it was like released in theaters as like a double billing and it was like two separate movies but they were together but in between the movies there was fake trailers like these sort of like funny grindhouse trailers for movies that aren't real. One of them was um, werewolf women of the SS directed by Rob zombie. (laughs) That was really good. There was machete, which actually turned into a real movie starring Danny Trejo. Like that started as a joke in a fake trailer um, in the uh, grindhouse uh, movie. And there was also Hobo with a Shotgun and um, Jason Eisner. Like he responded to some ad like Quentin Tarantino was looking for fake trailers for his movie and he made Hobo with a Shotgun and they were like, this is great. This is going in. So in that trailer, in the fake trailer, it's they have a totally different Hobo. They but they do have stuff like killing the sand, the pedophile Santa Claus and 
Um, I think they have the plague in there. They have popping the dude's head off and the manhole cover. They got they got a lot of things that actually ended up in the real movie that was made later. But and actually, the guy who was the original hobo. They, I mean, I'm sure that guy is great, but originally they, you know, but they ended up getting Rucker Howard. That's, that's a good deal. But the original guy, I guess, um, he's in what finally became Hobo with a Shotgun, the actual movie. He has one, he has like one line. He's like a cop. And I believe for the character of the Drake, they originally wanted to get... Jake the Snake Roberts, which would have been fucking awesome. If you don't know who Jake the Snake Roberts was, he was a professional wrestler throughout the 80s and some of the 90s. And he was like a notorious like alcoholic and cocaine addict. And he had he, he had like he had a horrible fucking tragic life. And there's actually a documentary called uh, I think it's just called Jake the Snake Roberts. But I think it's on I think you can find it on Netflix. I think that's where I watched it, but it's sad, but it's sort of this triumphant thing where it's like a comeback story where he was, life was fucked. And then through the help of his friend uh, and also fellow wrestler, Diamond Dallas Page, was that he was able to clean up and get sober and and have a life again, have a career again. So, man, that would have been great if Jake the Snake Roberts was in this movie, but... I'm sure Jason Eisner listens to this show. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jason Eisner, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts is doing pretty good right now. You know, I mean, he's not 1980 Jake the Snake Roberts, but he's cleaned up and I he's been in AEW wrestling. You know, it's like the dude's working again. Maybe you can get a hold of him. I'm sure he'd love to be in a movie. Like I, that, that's a, of all the wrestlers who've been in movies, Jake the Snake Roberts should have been in movies fucking years ago. You know, this is, and because a lot of wrestlers do movies and they suck, like Hulk Hogan. And <laughs> Rowdy Piper was pretty good. He did some, like, fun movies. And I know Terry Funk was in Roadhouse. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Jake the Snake Roberts would have been fucking fantastic in any action movie from the 80s or 90s. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways, Jake the Snake was supposed to originally be casted as the Drake, but that didn't happen. Hmm. I'm sitting here looking at Jason Eisner's uh, IMDb. And surprise, surprise. He actually did one of my favorite shows of the past couple of years, Dark Side of the Ring. If you haven't seen Dark Side of the Ring, it was on Vice. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking great. How did that? How did I miss that? Yeah, Jason Eisner uh, was one of the co-creators of Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, that that is that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I know you can watch Dark Side of the Ring on Hulu. It's definitely on Vice TV. I don't even know if that's a network anymore, but uh, they make some yeah, some pretty entertaining kind of like mini documentaries about shit. I wouldn't watch their news, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, yeah, dark side of the ring. It's a crave original. 
on Vice, but it's also on Hulu. Yeah, if you are even is, and I've mentioned this before on the show, Dark Side of the Ring is like unsolved mysteries, but for professional wrestling, because there's been some fucking crazy stories that have taken place in the history of professional wrestling. So, yeah, then, of course, Jason Eisner is involved with this. That's cool. I haven't heard any new stuff about the new, like, Todd Phillips is supposed to be making a a movie about Hulk Hogan. I don't know when the fuck that's supposed to come out. I know Chris Hemsworth is supposed to play Hulk Hogan. So now that we've established the relationship between Abby and Rutger Hauer, and now Rutger Hauer and Abby have both, like, pissed off <laughs> the uh, Ivan and Spike and and the Drake. They're, they're, you know, they're on their radar now. The, uh, the Drake... The Drake is basically like he explains to his sons that if you want to be the most terrifying criminal boss around, you have to get inventive and you have to make people shit their pants in your presence. So, <laughs> so there's a scene where Spike and Ivan. Um, they board a school bus full of kids and uh, Spike has a flamethrower like like Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he just blowtorches a bus full of children to death. Pretty evil. Also, they go into a TV station like uh like Heath Ledger Joker <laughs> and goes on the news and uh calls out Rutger Hauer but also th- like sort of threatens the people of Hopetown that all the homeless people in Hopetown have to be murdered. <laughs> yeah, these they're basically like, if you want your children to suffer, you have to kill all the homeless people in town. <laughs> this is what, this is Spike's grand plan to spread maximum terror. He gives the town an ultimatum kill all the homeless people or I will kill all your children. (laughs) And now at this point, everything really starts to escalate, right? Like hobo is on his murder vigilante rampage. Uh, Ivan and spike are now at a point where their, their, their violence, their violent rampage has to, exceed the demands of their father, but also spread fear throughout the population and, and let Rutger Hauer know that 
uh, you're you're marked man, motherfucker. So, so now that Rucker Howard is a marked man, there's a situation where like shit's starting to get crazy on the streets, and they head back to Abby's apartment, and Ivan and Slick are like on their trail, like they're heading directly to Abby's apartment, and they get there, and. Oh, God. What the hell was it? It's like this goofy fucking scene where the hobo electrocutes Ivan, and you think he's dead, but he's not. Like, <laughs> like Ivan jumps back up, his face is burnt, and I believe he said he came. So Ivan has some sort of, um, finds some pleasure in, in, in pain. That's interesting. I I was I was talking to uh, a gentleman recently who was telling me that he he was telling me about some of his Tinder date experiences, and one of them was this woman who I believe was a school teacher who was really into bondage and things like that, but um. Amongst the stories of uh, his sort of this woman's bondage S and M type stories, yeah, she enjoyed bringing a stun gun into into the bedroom with them, and he said he'd be like he'd be like fucking her doggy style, and like electrocuting her in the neck. <laughs> oh God, or like. He'd be on top of her, and she'd be like jabbing him in the fucking ribs with a fucking stun gun. <laughs> oh god, yeah, isn't that great? This scene from the scene of the hobo electrocuting Ivan reminded me of that. It's I've never done any online dating. I'm I'm far too old for that. I I've never been on Tinder or. Okay, Cupid, <laughs> or Match dot com, but I've only I've only heard like nightmare stories from people. So um, I don't know. I can't. I, I find people's stories interesting, you know. But as time has gone on, I look back at like those like Match dot com commercials where people have like. Oh, this I've met my husband on Match.com, and we've been married for five years, and we're so happy. And now it's, <laughs> that seems quaint now. Now it's just like, let's meet up and fuck. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my mind went into the gutter for a moment. Anyways, uh, so now we have this fight to the death going on at Abby's place with uh, Ivan and, and Spike and Rucker Howard ends up getting sort of the best of Spike and duct tapes a, the end of his shotgun to his, his groin and has him at gunpoint now. So now he's like, Ivan's like, you know, <laughs> Spike's his hostage now. And he's like, all right, Ivan, I got your fucking brother. If you make a wrong move, I'm going to blow his dick off sort of thing. And 
So ultimately, Rucker Hauer shoots Spike in the dick, which is, is is pretty horrific, but it's pretty funny and it's very satisfying. You know, it's fine. It's good to see that the bad guys are finally getting their come up. It's you know, it's that these mad dogs are finally being put down. And who doesn't like watching someone get shot in the dick? It's fucking tremendous. It's, you know, it's like the rapist who got shot in the dick in RoboCop. Like when it happens, you're like surprised and it's really funny. So I'm glad that that was um, the movie trope of shooting people in the dick has been incorporated into, into Hobo with a Shotgun. Really, that really tickles me. But Spike manages to crawl to a phone booth and call his dad and tells him he needs reinforcements. He needs help because he got shot in the dick and he's gonna die. He's he's definitely dying. He tells his dad he was a shitty father and then just dies. <laughs> which uh, which is good, you know. Uh, Shitty fathers should be definitely called out for uh, their shitty fatheriness. So now the Drake knows that his number one son, the which was you know Spike was supposed to be the one to take the mantle. Like the Drake just thought that Ivan was kind of a fucking giant retard, and Spike was the one who had the killer instincts he had the 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 intelligence and the vicious uh the 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 viciousness to take take over once the drake was gone but now spike's dead so the drake is none too happy about this situation and now the uh the drake finally he summons the plague and the plague, as I mentioned before, are the, they're like if the fucking Cenobites from Hellraiser were a fucking motorcycle gang. But even cooler than that, if you can imagine such a thing. And, okay, so after the attack from Ivan and Spike, Abby has to go to the fucking hospital and the, and Rucker Howard's there kind of watching over her and then the fucking plague shows up on motorcycles and one of them's dragging like a coffin behind the motorcycle it's fucking awesome then we have this scene where the the okay the scene where the plague comes into the hospital is fucking awesome because you get to see what their whole deal is right so they come in one member of the plague knows like Kung Fu and sword fighting. He's basically Blade. He's basically Blade. So he'll fucking roundhouse kick someone in the face and then chop off the... (laughs) Chop him at the knees with a fucking sword and then the other member of the plague will wrap a noose around that person's neck and then the end of the noose is connected to like a harpoon, like an arrow that he slides into this like harpoon gun and then fires it into the ceiling. 
causing the noose to tighten around the person's neck and pull them off the ground and then leave them to hang from the ceiling. And he does this to like five or six fucking people. So you have this hallway of people hanging. (laughs) And so that's how you know the plague was there. Pretty fucking awesome. But also in the middle of this, uh, this attack, Rucker Howard ends up getting, um, snatched up by the plague. They throw him in the fucking coffin (laughs) and drive, drive him back to the, the Drake as was their task. Cause of course the Drake wants Rucker Howard alive. He doesn't want him. He doesn't want him dead. Obviously he wants to deal with himself. So now Abby is the only one who could go rescue Rucker Howard. So she goes to the, she goes to the pawn shop because there's no gun stores in hope. <laughs> All the guns are at the fucking pawn shop. So she goes there to acquire weapons. So she gets, uh, let's see. She has a uh, Rucker Howard shotgun. She takes the lawnmower that Huck, Rucker Howard wanted. And somehow just has the the bo- the bottom part of the lawnmower the just like the the round cylinder that houses the spinning blades of the of the lawnmower and like the motor and she like removes the wheels and all the shit and basically just makes a shield out of it so she has a, a picture a round shield and the shield when you're looking straight at it is a spinning lawnmower blade <laughs> Obviously, a callback to uh, Dead Alive. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, where the protagonist at the end of that film uh, murders a army of zombies with a lawnmower. So, <laughs> I thought that was that was a cool, again, another cool weapon in this movie. Lots of cool weapons. So it's it's fun to watch. So when the Drake finally goes to have his like public execution of Rucker Hauer, because that's the Drake's deal, right? He has to kill people. He has to make a big show out of it to to further his to further his grip of fear over over the town. Abby comes to rescue him, and he uh, she has Ivan uh, as a hostage, basically. You know, basically, like, let him go, or I'm gonna kill your your only son, your last, the last member of your lineage. And the Drake just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, he's like, you mean this son? And then just pulls out a gun and fucking shoots Ivan, <laughs> which is also, you know, that was kind of set up in the beginning of the movie where the Drake killed his own brother, killed Ricky from Trailer Park Boys, so. The Drake don't give a fuck. He's just like, I'll kill my last son just to just to prove the point, just to add to the show that like no one's gonna upstage the Drake. So after that, um, shit pops off, and the plague, the plague is there, and Abby kills one of the members of the plague, and. Oh yeah, there's okay. So Abby's hand ends up getting fucking uh, a member. I think yeah, I think it was a member of the plague. Like 
her fucking lawnmower shield gets used against her, and it she gets her fucking hand completely torn off. Um, actually, no, it wasn't a member of plague. It was it was the Drake. The Drake fucking like pushed her hand into the spinning blades, and her fucking hand gets completely torn apart. And then there's just this like like her tibia bone is just <laughs> just sticking out where the hand used to be, and she uses that to fucking stab. The Drake, obviously, that's a another awesome fucking uh, weapon. Use your jagged, compound fractured arm bone to stab a man to death. That's that's badass. It's reminiscent of two things. It's reminiscent of uh, the uh, RoboCop's spike. Yes, it's re- reminiscent of the RoboCop uh, USB drive that's just a giant spike in his hand. And it's also, uh, let me see, where did I see that recently? I saw that in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I reviewed on this very program. I did not give it a recommendation I recommend I give it a non recommendation with an asterisk. I would say watch it once with a group of people because it's worth just sort of yelling at and then getting really excited at the kill scenes. That's about all there is to it. There's no continuation of the of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story. There's no. It doesn't even. It doesn't even honor any of the the history of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's sort of a one-off movie that's just basically a kill fest. It just kills a bunch. They just set up a bunch of annoying people and then they kill all the annoying people. That's basically the entire, the entire movie. But there's a scene where a uh, leather face in the, the first kill of the movie, he snaps a cop's arm and a bone like compound fractures out of his arm. And then he stabs the cop in the fucking neck with his own with 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 the bone that stuck out of his arm. That's what that reminded me of. Both equally as good, I would say, in terms of just kills. Both equally as good. Uh anyway. <laughs> Abby stabs the shit out of the Drake with uh, her um <laughs> Her, uh, her arm bone and the surviving member of the plague tries to get Abby to oh god what does he says he says something like like you know if you kill a member of the plague you must take their place I was just like fuck dude now I, now I want to have a I want to see a movie about just the plague, <laughs> but I, Oh God, I don't even remember where the hell I read it. I read somewhere where there was, I don't know if it was actually shot or not, or if it was just an idea that Jason Eisner had, but there was like an alternate ending where Abby actually takes the place of the dead member of the plague like she becomes a member of the plague and the plague themselves are not, they're basically hired guns. They're not, 
they don't care about the Drake's plans to rule the city and, you know, selling drugs. And it's like, that's not their thing. Their thing is they're, they have a very specific way of killing people and they can be hired to go do that. And they also share a thing that the, the same thing that the Drake has, he doesn't just, they don't just kill people. They kill people in a very theatrical notice, uh, a way that lets people know that the plague was there. They have a signature to their brand of, uh, of murder. Oh God. What was their names? Their names were, uh, grinder. <laughs> and that's the one that Abby ends up killing. And then, uh, rip, is the surviving plague member. So there, there's like this weird fucking honor to Abby murdering Grinder. Rip is basically like, oh, well, if you're not going to join me, then I'll just ride off into the sunset and I'll find another, I guess, I'll find someone to replace fucking Grinder so that the plague can, can move on. I mean, Spike's dead, Ivan is dead, and he got killed in front of everybody, and now the Drake is mortally wounded. Um, He's basically like, fucking kill these motherfuckers and shit, and then all the townspeople turn on the Drake. So now he's surrounded by all the people of the town, and they're all armed. And the police show up, and now we have this standoff where the police are trying to save the Drake, but all the townspeople are now on the side of Rucker Hauer and Abby. And they're, they're basically they're This is their chance to, uh, to end the, the Drake's reign of terror. So there's a standoff and the standoff is Rucker Hauer is now standing over the Drake with a shotgun and the police are like, they're basically like, if if he kills the Drake, kill him. So, Rucker Hauer obviously, obviously can't let the Drake live. So, he says that the Drake is, uh, he's going to go, <laughs> he says, you're going to go, he says, we're going to hell and you're riding shotgun. And then he fucking blows the Drake's head through the pavement and the police open fire. They fucking shoot Rucker Hauer, they shoot the shit out of him, and all the townspeople are shooting, now there's, now the police and the townspeople are just fucking shooting at each other now, so there's just bodies dropping, and, and it's tragic, but now that the Drake is dead, his sons are dead, the, a vast number of the police, most of, most of them corrupt, corrupted by the Drake, are dead. The camera pans past Rucker Hauer's dead body and the shotgun laying by his hand. And then, boom, the movie's over. Credits. And the song Run With Us by Lisa Lofheed, I believe that's how her name is pronounced. L-O-U-G-H-E-E-D. I don't think it's low heat. I think it's loft heat. That song hits as the credits roll and uh, check out that music video, the music video for run with us. And that song is from the late eighties. 
And that song is actually from a uh, animated TV series in Canada in the uh, 80s. It ran from like late 80s to early 90s, and it was called The Raccoons. It was uh, it was on the Disney Channel, and that was the uh, theme song to it. <laughs> so the fact that it was uh, ran at the end of uh, of this movie was pretty was pretty cool. It was a nice touch, <laughs> and it fits the tone of the movie. It's pretty sweet. And according to the internet, in an extended ending that was taken out from the final cut, Abby's hand is replaced by a Gatling-style shotgun, and she becomes a new member of the plague. So, yes, that is, that is in fact, true. Okay, so that was Hobo with a Shotgun. I highly recommend it. It's a fun movie. It's very enjoyable. Rest in peace, Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer passed away in July 19th of 2019. But he left us with a lot of great films, including The Hitchhiker, which I definitely recommend. The original Hitchhiker from 1986, that is. Uh, Blind Fury from 1989 where he's essentially um, a blind samurai <laughs> in modern-day America. So if you're a fan like I am of the uh, the films of uh, Zadoichi, the original blind swordsman, and you want to see Rutger Hauer <laughs> play that role, Blind Fury is the movie for you. And, of course, uh, 1982's Blade Runner, where he plays the character of Roy Batty. He plays a serial killer in the movie uh, Nighthawks with Sylvester Stallone. And, of course, Surviving the Game from 94. And if you want to get really deep into it, you can watch Split Second or him in a, oh, my God, a prime Kim Cattrall. <laughs> Primetime Kim Cattrall, like mannequin era Kim Cattrall. Actually, a couple years after that, but it's a weird uh, do I do I even want to call Split Second a cyberpunk type movie? I don't know. It's 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 yeah. Let's see. He's the he's the head vampire in the Christy Swanson Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like that movie. I grew up with that movie, so I have kind of a fondness for it. The TV show's okay, but I like the movie. <laughs> Anyways, rest in peace, Rucker Hauer. Now, in keeping with this post-apocalyptic end of the world one man against the scum and villainy of the wasteland theme I wanted to cover one more thing here a anime from the years of 1986 1988 and 1990 a trilogy called Violence Jack an OVA also known as an original video animation, OVA, for the non-initiated. It's, it's actually an anime that kind of passed me by. Probably, you know, I, I mean, I've seen all the kind of bigger, um, brutal, crazy, violent, more R-rated anime in my youth, 
but this one kind of snuck past me. And I thought, you know, I can watch the whole trilogy and put it in and on this episode. And I have mixed feelings about this. Violence Jack essentially is this big badass motherfucker who has some type of, he's sort of imbued with these kind of pseudo superpowers. He's almost like Wolverine in a way. He's a, a gnarly dude with super healing abilities and except he's really, really big. <laughs> he's basically, he's basically, if you took, you know, uh, I don't know. What's a good example. He's kind of like, if you took Sabretooth from the X-Men and mixed him in with a little bit of the Incredible Hulk, kind of. So basically the end of the world happens and he's this dude who's just wandering through Japan during the end of the world, well, after the end of the world. And he's just helping good people and punishing the fuck out of bad people. About as simple as I can put it. <laughs> so the OVA itself, again, is broken into three parts spread over a few years. And the first one is called the Harlem Bomber, also known as the Harlem Bomber. That's from 86. And then Evil Town from 1988. And I'm going to, I'm just going to, instead of. <laughs> Getting into too much detail on each one of those, I'm just going to kind of compress the two of them down because the two of them, I think, can just be squashed together and discussed as one thing. And then I'll do the final one called Hell's Wind. I'll do that one, kind of do that one... At the tail end. That's the order of them anyway. So, Harlem Bomber, Evil Town. Okay. So, a perfect storm of natural disasters hit the Kanto region of Japan. It's inhabited with 43 million people. And that's actually accurate. Like, I looked up that part of the world and... <laughs> There's as many people in this one area than there is in, like, all of California. Just for reference. So, California is kind of hovers around 40 million. Just this one area has 43 million people. So, comet hits Earth, triggers a volcanic eruption, and earthquakes that reduce everything into rubble. So, after all of that, all the cities are destroyed. Who knows how many dead? <laughs> There's basically three, let's call them autonomous zones, are established. Section A, B, and C. So, Violence Jackets dug out of the rubble by the people of Section A. And 
basically he helps innocent people and then kills uh, bad people. That's what Valance Jack does because the ba- bad people tend to fuck with him, and that's that's how they usually end up getting killed. <laughs> so Section A is basically city officials, cops, and normal looking dudes who are basically serial killers and um, and upstanding citizens, just regular people, are in Section A. So, kind of like now, <laughs> Section A probably is the most accurate representation of now, where there's elected officials, there is police, and normal people who work for those people, and then regular people. Section B is... Mad Max level criminals, psychopaths who rape and pillage the wasteland. That's who's in Section B. Just gangs of (laughs) murderers and rapists on motorcycles just robbing and fucking up everything they come across. And Section C are basically rape victims for Sections A and B. (laughs) And what we... What we later find out is Section A is just as uh, rapey as Section B, except Section B is more open about their uh, robbing and raping, and Section A still tries to hold on to the former world, the the pre-apocalyptic world where there's law and order, and but Section B is a lot more open about their wanting to destroy everything that they come across and rule with an iron fist. Section C is essentially all women. It's basically a a section of all women. So they are incredibly vulnerable in, in this world. So that's a very, very basic setup of, of this world of violence, Jack. Okay. So, they're all trapped in these underground tunnels beneath, um, well, Tokyo, essentially. Uh, Due to limited food and water supply, all three sections are in this constant state of war. Now, in the spirit of Kung Fu, the television show Kung Fu, uh, Kung Fu The Legend Continues... (laughs) And, and other shows like MacGyver and Burn Notice and most Jackie Chan films and a favorite of mine and everyone here at Skeleton Factory, uh, Zadoichi, the films and the television shows, mostly the films of Zadoichi. Now we have Violence Jack. And the problem with Violence Jack is like those other shows and movies I describe are a bit more thorough in their explanation of there's this one person who has some type of background that allows them to help innocent people from predatory outsiders who want to fuck with them, essentially. And... The big problem with Violence Jack is 
there's a lack of backstory to him and motivation. Like the film Taken. The movie the movie Taken is is dumb and I get that, you know, <laughs> like some people like Taken, some people don't, but I think the movie's kind of dumb, but there's a reason why in the movie Taken, there's that scene that it's also in the trailer. That's why, and this is what they put in the trailer for a reason. There's a reason why they have the Liam Neeson talking to the guy on the phone. He's like, if you don't, you know, return my daughter, you know, I have a certain set of skills scene, the I'll find you and kill you monologue. Like you have to set up a past of badassery and now that person is uses their wisdom and their skills and their principles and their moral like their moral compass they with all of that they're equipped to defend desperate, weak, vulnerable people against the most vicious amongst us. That's what all those other all those other forms of media have. It's <laughs> what Kung Fu has, that's what MacGyver has, Burn Notice, and I'll always point to Zadoichi, because Zadoichi is his story's vague, but just seeing him on screen for less than a minute, you understand what his story is. They don't need to have, like, a giant montage of who this guy is. Like, you you understand. You know, he, he roams from place to place. He's blind, but he's also an insanely good swordsman. So, that's pretty rare. So, his character itself is incredibly rare. And also, he has the ability of stealth. He can go from place to place. He he comes off as poor and meek, and he's blind, so people see him as like indigent. And but really, he's always listening, and his ability to fight against other skilled opponents and defeat them handily. That's something very easy to establish. Violence Jack is he just appears and fucks shit up. And you don't really know anything beyond that. And the people out there who want to point to uh, the fact that Violence Jack is connected to the world of Devil Man, like, I know, I know, I get that. I get it's technically connected to devil man but but not really it's sort of connected to devil man it's it's like saying the film the kurt russell film soldier is connected to blade runner (laughs) i know i know that's like weird nerd sci-fi shit right there but it's it's very what i'm basically saying is it's very loosely loosely sort of connected and you can't attribute the history of Devil Man. You can't really connect it to Violence Jack in a meaningful way. I don't think. And some other things that just, I don't know, I think are kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, his weapon of choice is a folding pocket knife. It's like a buck knife. 
and the whole thing is it's like a giant it's like a huge pocket knife because violence jack is huge he's like over seven feet tall he's like pushing eight feet tall he's just giant man and he has a he has a pocket knife that is of proportional size to him which is funny because it's where do you even get a knife that big i don't know you go to a knife store sometimes and anyone who, anyone who's gone to enough knife stores every once in a while you'll see a display for swiss army knives and it's like a giant swiss army knife like it's huge and it like it's like it it, it, it like moves like all of the tools inside of it are like the can opener and the knife and everything and it's kind of coming it kind of goes it's kind of pulls out and then goes back in comes out goes back into the handle it like it looks like that it's like comically big and so yeah he's basically a giant and i mean that's cool uh, what was it they said in the beginning they say he has the strength of 50 men and the teeth of a tiger i'm like okay it's pretty fucking strong um, and he can do, he can do things like he can bitch slap multiple dudes on speeding dirt bikes, firing like full auto machine guns at him out of the air in one swipe of his hand. So he's pretty enormous, pretty fucking strong. He doesn't really need his signature weapon though. It's kind of silly. Like his knife, his Jack knife <laughs> only exists to give him his name and that's it like we don't like he's violence jack he calls himself violence jack because he has a jack knife it's like okay like i get the logic of that it's like david bowie's name real name is not david bowie but he thought david bowie sounded cool so that's what david bowie's name ended up being and yes David Bowie's name, he is he named himself after the Bowie knife because it's a big, cool knife. Makes sense. But he doesn't really need the knife, like the jack knife. It's just there so that he has, so they can explain his name. I mean, we don't need to know why he's, he's named Violence Jack. It's like explaining Han Solo's name. You know, he's, he's, it's more impressive that he's a giant, all-powerful, indestructible, giant psycho. Like, that's pretty cool. But even with all that, he's he doesn't have the uh, cool sexiness. And, um, I don't know, he doesn't seem like a, a complete character. He kind of seems like the Bane from the George Clooney Batman movies, like the Batman and Robin movies. It's like looking at Bane in that movie where he was basically a thug, like hired gun for Poison Ivy. And then looking at Tom Hardy's depiction of Bane, like day and night. Okay. Like Violence Jack would be the George Clooney movie version. And... A character, say, like uh, Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star, that would be, that would be the Tom Hardy kind of fleshed out uh, version. 
or even Devil Man. Devil Man is infinitely, which this this anime is supposed to be connected to in story wise. Devil Man's infinitely more interesting, and it, and it shows. Devil Man's been around forever. There's tons of books. There's tons of movies. Like there's not tons of violence Jack movies. You know, it's like there's it's very it's limited on what you can do with this world. And Violence Jack doesn't have, it's a thing where, I mean, he's obviously has powers, but he doesn't have like otherworldly powers that inhabit, uh, you know, that inhabits his body, inhabits the body of like a normal person. You know what I mean? Like that would probably, that might be more of a relatable fleshed out story. Like he's just violent Jack. He just has, he just, he just walks around with his powers constantly. He's like, yeah. Again, I use the Wolverine saber tooth comparison because they're just like that all the time. They're, they are what they are all the time. They're not like a normal person who, um, can access the powers. You know what I mean? Like Ultraman, or Devil Man, or fucking He Man. <laughs> you know, like He Man's like He Man all the time. He's got to hold up his magic sword and say, "By the power of Gray Skull," right? So, in the and you know he can't do that without the sword, but you know without the power sword. So, you know, and having to he so like Valence Jack doesn't have two identities that he has to maintain. You know, um, or a secret identity or anything like that, that he has to kind of keep under wraps. But, you know, he's just what he is all the time, which which, which I think is like a big problem with me because it's like you don't necessarily sympathize with his character or feel 100% behind him because you're just like, oh, well, this guy's never going to die. Just he's like He's like a zombie. He's like Jason. He's like a good, good guy, Jason Voorhees. You can just keep shooting him and blowing him up, but he just keeps coming back and he doesn't really say anything. Nor does he have any, have like some kind of superior tactical advantage, like uh, martial arts skill or magical fighting powers, like shooting fucking, you know, shit out of you know lasers out of his eyes or anything like like he doesn't have any of that kind of stuff i mean he he does engage in a lot of like like hand-to-hand combat or anything like that but it doesn't have the you know the choreography or the floweriness of like a martial arts movie it's sort of like two two fucking slabs of meat just fucking trying to stab each other <laughs> it's it's basically it it's it's like it's like that that side of beef that rocky was punching in rocky one if it grew arms and started punching rocky back that's like what watching violence jack like fighting against these like evil bosses that he easily dispatches with you know, that Rocky versus the side of beef actually sounds pretty fucking interesting. I would watch that. I would definitely watch that. 
um, Sylvester Stallone, uh, you know, get on that. You know, that could be that can be a really interesting, uh, you know, a really interesting uh, entry in the Rocky series. I'm sure Sylvester Stallone's a big fan of this show. Yeah, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Go get the people who made um, uh, Funky Forest. If anyone's ever seen Funky Forest, get whoever made that to do a movie where, do a Rocky movie where you end up fighting a side of beef at the at the uh, at the film's conclusion. I think people would really like that. I think people would really take to that. I would watch that. You know, it sounds fresh. It sounds interesting. But yeah, he doesn't have any kind of mystical, magical fucking powers. His weapon is not imbued with any kind of, uh, you know, magical history or any, any kind of shit like that. He just walks at you and murders you and there's nothing you can do about it. You know that's that's basically his that's basically his power. But you know, morally speaking, uh, you know, I, it's he does ruthless, ruthlessly murder rapists, which is great. I think we can all agree on that, and I think that's what people would point to. Like, Violent Shack is awesome because in this world where there is no law. There's just lawlessness everywhere you turn. There's this uh, men just become rapists all of a sudden. And then one guy will come and fuck all those dudes up. That's I mean, that's. That's cool and everything like that, but I mean. And he does brutally kill him. Like, it's, you know, that's kind of satisfying, but it's kind of like watching Halloween Kills. It's kind of like watching the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you get to the, we're in an era now where the camera does not look away from the kills, from the murders, you know, and that's fine. I like that. But also, the more, technically amazing the kills are i think the audience is going to notice the lack of story easy like easy uh, more easily and i think i think i'm correct on that you know both of those movies got panned not just by my cynical ass but by a lot of people like horror fans and even regular people who don't even really watch horror movies but they saw that Saw those two movies and was like, what the fuck is this shit? You know? So it's like, if you're going to have duels to the death and, you know, brutal, you know, brutal Mortal Kombat, like, fucking fatality death scenes, it's like, it needs to be in service, like, in service of some type of, some type of crescendo of, you know, the of a story that led you to that point. I think people kind of naturally... Uh, instinctively lean that way. And, you know, I just, I just don't think that like, you know, you have a hentai rape gangbang and then violence Jack shows up and fucks everyone up. 
and then moves on to the next place. Like that don't like that's not a meaningful enough story arc. Especially for me. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, it is kind of like if you're thirteen years old, like <laughs> like if you're thirteen year years old, you know, growing up in the nineties, violence jack is probably pretty cool. But when you hold it up against its contemporaries that were out at the time, it's it, it kind of falls short on the uh, on the ladder of quality, I guess. But what's the point, Adam? Well, if you want the one badass hero dude killing evil post apocalyptic rape dictators movies to watch i would definitely say watch fist of the north star watch uh uh amon apocalypse of devil man watch that that's you want your post-apocalyptic world there it is right there i know netflix did a devil man it's called devil man crybaby i haven't seen it but can't be worse than this i don't think uh, or even if you want to watch just a movie movie, like watch Death Wish 3. You know, that's, that's fun. You know, the the violence is fun. You know, the, the bad guys are comical. And, you know, and when they, when the, ju- when justice is finally served, like you, uh, you're, like you feel good about it. <laughs> you know, the innocent people have been protected, and the bad guys got their asses handed to them. I love Death Wish 3. Uh, If you want to do something a little more subtle, (laughs) but still kind of fun, uh, watch Night of the Comet. Night of the Comet's great. Um, In keeping with sort of like uh, uh, fucking post-apocalyptic fucking dudes on motorcycles, even though there's no... like. It's the end of the world, but everyone has gas, gasoline-powered vehicles. Somehow, watch uh, Mad Max Two. Mad Max Two is amazing. It's it's probably it's probably my favorite Mad Max movie, next to Fury Road. It's also known as Road Warrior. So the, that movie goes by two names. It's rather Mad Max Two or is Road Warrior. I think in America, Road it's it was known as Road Warrior. Yeah, watch that. It's fucking awesome. It's got all the action. It's got it's got characters that you like. It's characters that are vulnerable. That's a big thing. You the you you have to think that your main character has some level of vulnerability where he the bad guys might kill him. You know, and I know there's kind of some of that in Violence Jack, but even when it happens, you're like, he's fine. He's not. There's like a scene where he gets shot like a thousand times in the chest, and then within like a day, he like heals back up. <laughs> it's like okay, all right. Like if I if I know that the superhero is indestructible, I don't. If I know that, then anytime some kind of threat comes his way, I don't feel like he's in any kind of danger so what else what else can i recommend how about water world watch water world and people 
Uh, people like to shit on World, Waterworld, but those people know, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Waterworld is probably the most unique post-apocalyptic world uh, a movie like ever made. You know, it's that's that movie's bold. If you sit there and really think about Waterworld, like imagine the entire world is water, <laughs> and whoever fucking survived, it's like. Like put the people from Fury Road in a world that's just water. It's you know the stakes are a lot higher. It's one thing to you know roam the desert wasteland. It's a completely different thing to roam a ocean world, <laughs> a water world, if you will. Water world's awesome. Or even um, how about Twelve Monkeys? I'll just throw that in there too. Terry Gilliam's 12 Monkeys, Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, and Madeline Stowe, I think. I don't know. I get a lot of those sort of like dark brunette actresses from the 90s mixed up. But yeah, 12 Monkeys, watch that. Bruce Willis gets sent back through time. There's a great pandemic, and uh, he has to find out how the fucking virus got created. It's fucking it's interesting, especially in this like... Uh, COVID world that we live in. Everyone was talking about contagion and watching fucking outbreak and shit at the beginning of the pandemic. But I'm like, watch 12 monkeys. It's a little less, it's a little less dumb than those movies. I will say, um, basically the last entry in violence, Jack, it's called hell's wind. And it came out in 1990 and it was, yeah, it's the last entry in, I don't know. It, it's probably the closest thing to a, a real story in the entire OVA, really. I mean, I think because they, um, well, there's a there's a giant biker gang called Hell's Wind. That's what the name. That's what the title means. And Hell's Wind's this fucking giant fucking biker gang who's kind of. You know, going from town to town, raping and pillaging, and I don't know. They they tried to they tried to give Violent Jack like people to kind of buddy up with and pair with. You know, like other characters that have some type of connection to him. You know, like I don't know. Was it like Beyond Thunderdome? There's the fucking Desert Kids. You know the or. You know, what else in that? In that world, there's the kid with the fuck, the little feral kid with the boomerang and shit. <laughs> you know, like, people that he could relate to, you know, like, even Fury Road, like, Mad Max and Furiosa, finally, you know, they had their big fucking epic fight, and then they decided to, like, team up. Like, they realized that they're better, they're better off working together than against each other. You know, it's like, so Hell's Wind kind of has that kind of feel to it. Uh, but Violence Jack, of course, just fucks everyone up. And it's it's got some interesting, weird shit in it. And the uh, sex in, Section C, all the, all the women, he manages to help them get out of the subterranean tunnel that everyone's been living in in sections A, B, and C, and actually get them outside. Like, they finally found this cave that led to the outside, and then 
and there's like this long, a little too long. The, the animation is actually not that great either. So like this, this, the ending scene should have been a little more epic and satisfying, but it's just like the art was so, you know, stiff and flat looking. Basically he helps the women like from section C make it to the outside and they look out on the city and it's just like Tokyo is just completely flattened by all the horrible earthquakes and but but also they're outside and there's this sort of like rolling green mountains it's sort of this juxtaposition of like destroyed city but also like but like all the natural mountains and grass and things like that's like still survived. So there's sort of like this feeling of hope, like, okay, cool. Like now that we're at on the surface, we can, we can start again and that's cool. And then, you know, the show just kind of ends (laughs) and, but also it's like, Oh, well you don't know there could, there could be fucking twice as many fucking rape gangs on the surface than there is underground. So, <laughs> it's like these girls are fucking, they have this moment of freedom and feeling like, like, Hey guys, we made it. But it's like, uh, it could be totally fucked too. Um, and so that was violence. Jack. <laughs> now, Anyone who's like sort of familiar with this movie knows that I glossed over a ton of shit. Like um all of the all the bad guys that giant uh Final Shack fights, you know, there's this guy called the Slum King and he's like he's kind of like this main boss that kind of sends all his minions out to try to destroy Violence Shack, but you know, and like we don't get the final fight between the two of them, and he kind of looks goofy. He kind of looks like a like Skeletor at the end of the Dolph Lundgren He Man Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> like he looks fucking kind of goofy, and you know he's he's supposed to be like this mastermind taskmaster who's sort of controlling everything. He's like the final boss. He's fucking Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, but it's like. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. I don't know. There, There's definitely things to, especially on just kind of like a dumb surface level, like, there's things to enjoy about this, but, I mean, I, f- I feel like the movie, uh, well, just the whole series itself, like, suffers from, it's too long, the story's fucking confusing, there's no real story arc to anybody because pretty much everyone that Violet Jack comes in contact with dies, which I'm fine with just if you just murder everyone in a fucking movie or whatever, but it needs to be for some purpose. You know what I mean? It's like watching the devil's rejects or something like that. Like just kill everyone, but at least, you know, there, you had some kind of like cool story that led you to that point. But I don't know. Violence Jack comes up really short with me with, you know, in that respect. But, you know, you have like just the dumb, brutal kills. And if you're a fucking pervert, the fucking like animated nudity might excite you, (laughs) which I never understood people who are into hentai. I don't, 
know. <laughs> you know, porn is free, guys. You can just go online and just get as much free porn as you possibly. There's so much of it that people are addicted to it. It's like crack. It's like fentanyl. You know, before you used to have to buy a $60 DVD not knowing if it was good. You know, like a thousand and one fucking uh, cum shot facials and you buy it for $60 and you can't preview it. You're just, you know, there's no trailers to these things. You just buy it blindly and hope that uh, you like it. And they put in a little black bag for you to hide your shame and you walk out of the porn shop. You know, now you can just get it for free. So this, the, the whole like animated nudity thing, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm fine with there being nudity and animated stuff, but like creepy rape scenes, I'm like, nah, I, I can do without it. You know, I, 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 I just feel like the whole thing kind of lacked on story and I think the animation was kind of cheap looking and I never felt at any time that Violent Jack was in any kind of real trouble and. You know, I, I do like the post-apocalyptic world. Uh, like, that's cool. But that also suffers. That's also a thing. Like, like okay, there's a movie called Land of Doom. And, and I bought Land of Doom just by the cover, which was a thing back in the day. If your cover was cool, people would buy it or rent it or whatever the fuck, you know, in a video store or wherever. And I saw this movie and I was just like, oh my God, that's a post-apocalyptic movie. I got to watch that shit. And Land of Doom, like, look it up. Look at the Land of Doom fucking, like, poster art for it. It looks fucking spectacular. It looks like the best fucking end of the world movie ever. And it's boring as shit. So, you know. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, you know what? Let me see. Well, since we're talking about end of the world stuff. Let me see if I can just recommend some better stuff for you guys. Cause I know this wasn't really a review. And if you were, if you're listening to this and you were kind of hoping for a violence, Jack, like review with details and uh, less sarcasm, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I really wanted to do like a post apocalyptic kind of like, you know, one dude against the world type of theme for this episode, but sorry. Uh, <laughs> But um, let me just recommend a couple uh, things. Watch uh, the new Barbarians with uh, Fred Williamson, who was in the film um, VFW, which I reviewed a couple episodes ago. And what else? Uh, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Watch that. That's pretty cool. You know, it's it's got that kind of like bombed out fucking like building dudes on motorcycles, guys with eye patches, guys with crossbows, you know, battling for, you know, it's just turf wars. You know, it's got a, Oh, you know, that feeling of like the warriors or something like that. Like some superior films. They're much superior films. They're corny, but they're fun. You know, there's, you can excuse budgetary constraints because the movie just has, Enough good things that make you go, yeah, I like that. It's badass. <laughs> like a dude with a knife in his boot, and he pulls it out and throws it and hits a guy in the eye. You're like, fuck yeah, I like that. Violence Jack also had a scene where Violence Jack gets hit in the eye with a knife, and then he just pulls it calmly out of his eye without even flinching. Like, it didn't even hurt him, which should sound really, really cool. But even that, they made that, like, not even that cool. So... So there you go. For this episode, uh, I, I definitely recommend Hobo with a Shotgun. 
starring Rucker Hauer, rest in peace. It's very fun. And I don't really recommend uh, Violence Jack. There are better animes out there, which I have listed earlier. And there are better post-apocalyptic films you can be watching that I have also listed earlier. So, well, y'all, I'm going to cut it off right there. Thank you so much for listening. If you need to get a hold of me or keep track of uh, the goings-ons with Skeleton Factory and see videos of my ugly face, you can uh, go to Instagram at skeleton underscore factory on Instagram. And again, thank you so much for listening. I am Adam, rescuing your movie night one movie at a time. I will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.